Hello all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we're going to be reviewing the new Netflix film, Spiderhead. All right, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for Spiderhead? Sure. In the near future, convicts are offered the chance to volunteer as medical subjects to shorten their sentence. One such subject for a new drug capable of generating feelings of love begins questioning the reality of his emotions. Okay. And in sweet tradition, what is your one-sentence summary for Spiderhead? Uh, My summary is, sometimes the convenience of having everything on your phone backfires. (laughs) Yes, that UI was well-designed with the little slider. It looked very fun. It looked fun. They did a real great job with the design. (laughs) But you know what? If ever you were to have like multiple devices, this is Mm. probably the time. You know, I don't feel like one device held by one person should be controlling all of this. But, you know, maybe that's just me. This is true. There needs to be like several layers of password locks for each of the different uh, vials that can be given. Yes. We need some decentralization here. Oh, absolutely. Yes. All right. My one-sentence summary is the movie itself needed a little more dark and flocks and a little less Laffodil. <laughs> Well played. All right. Let's start off with our initial thoughts of Spiderhead, and uh, we'll keep our thoughts general, high level, and uh, we won't include any spoilers until we give our little spoilers. So, Sarah, what were your thoughts about Spiderhead? I'm really intrigued. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is – it's it's fine. It's okay. Uh, oh, no. It's not great, though, and I I wanted this film to be better than it is. Um, I I mean, for me, the score was the high point of the film by far, and uh, you know some of the performances are good. Um, the directing is is good. I loved the location. I loved this world that was built, but I don't feel like the story really capitalized on this world. And so uh, it just, it was kind of a letdown for me, especially the ending. I didn't like the ending at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll get into that in spoiler territory. But uh, it's also one of those that I just don't think is memorable. Like I watched this yesterday and I'm going, what was that movie about? So it's just not one that's going to linger with me. And that's a shame because this, this, world that's built is really interesting. And I think a lot of the topics that are touched in this film are very interesting and important for our society today. So it's just a shame that that this film wasn't able to really capitalize on, you know, the really, really good like bones that it has. And it kind of ended up being a not memorable kind of okay movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it was it's interesting that we're talking about this movie after our last week's review on the card counter because I think they share a lot of similarities in my book as far as a really fascinating premise, a really interesting world, some really compelling ideas that it wants to share. But 
there's just, it just leaves you wanting something a little bit different than was actually executed. Uh, we definitely should talk about the way that this movie ended. I It was illuminating for me to learn that this movie is based on a short story that was originally uh, published in The New Yorker. I got a chance to read a short story, so there's a lot of interesting um, comparisons that I feel like I could have on what the st- short story focuses on and then what the movie attempts to add into these themes and these storylines to make it a an hour and 47 minute long film. Um, I, I feel like there's, there's a lot that left to be desired as far as the screenwriting. What I really found fascinating and interesting about this movie though is a lot of the, the world building that was at play here. Um, just the rules of the way that this world operates um, and some of the themes that it's able to bring to the surface because of um, the rules of this prison is, is really fascinating. And I feel like it's more a testament to George Saunders who wrote the original source story than the actual film itself. So from a filmmaking perspective, it took a really interesting idea that was originally written as a short story and uh, tried to put it to the screen. Um, but I think that there's a lot more that this film could have dove deep deeper into. Um, I think a lot of the movie is a little bit tonally confused as well. Is it lighthearted or is it attempting to be more serious, more of a thriller? Like it kind of is um, jumping back and forth between those two tones, especially we'll talk about it in the ending. So I, I had a really good time with this movie. I was fascinating to learn more about this world. But as I think more about it, the structure and the screenwriting just – leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt the same way. And after the movie was over, like you, I, I read that original short story and it's so much better. Uh, (laughs) It was funny reading through it. And of course there are like direct excerpts that they included in, in the movie. And it was interesting how they, they were able to capture uh, the main characters, their his thoughts in the short story, but yeah. they actually turn it into dialogue in the film. So there, those moments I thought were really interesting. But then you get to the the end, and it's like, oh, this was very very different. And uh, I I think I understand why the film takes the approach that it does. But I think in a lot of ways the the creative decisions that uh, they made in the screenplay really take some of the wind out of the sails of this story. And so, uh, yeah, like I, I, the more that we're talking about this, the more that I, I like your one sentence summary. I think you're spot on with that. Uh, this film doesn't really know what it is and it, it tried to, uh, keep maybe like the, I don't know the 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 dark elements in the in the short story, but added a bunch of levity to it that kind of took away from the message overall. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking about the platform, uh, which we reviewed a while ago. I think maybe over a year ago now, which also has these ideas on you know social commentary that's woven in there, and it it knows itself very well, and it's taken this. Um, really dystopian view of society and humanity and and explores a lot of really interesting ideas through the rules of this this prison center that the the inhabitants are um, trying to navigate and i 
it's a it would be a very different kind of movie, but I, I'm imagining a version of Spiderhead that takes that much darker approach. Perhaps it starts a little bit lighter. I, I actually like the the way that this movie introduces a lot of these ideas and and the the concepts of the study that are being studies that are being conducted on them. Um, but I think it needs to descend into the fullness of this dystopia a little bit more than the movie I think has the audacity to do. There's a lot of really intense concepts that this movie explores with dark and flocks and um, these themes of shame and, and what that does to you and what you believe that you can fight for as a, as a human being. And um, it touches on it, but it kind of backs away from it. And especially with that ending, it really backs away from it. So uh, I think if it had pushed and continued to gone gone in that direction with with full conviction, this could have been really, really great. I was trying I, – I didn't have enough time to do full research on this, but I, I was really curious if George Saunders was a part of writing the, and shaping this, this screenplay. Um, he's not credited to be one of the screenwriters. It's two other two other dudes that I think wrote the screenplay for this. But I I wonder how he feels and what that collaborative relationship looked like or the absence of it looked like and how this end product might have been different had George Saunders been able to maybe be involved in the full vision of what he imagined Spiderhead to be and what it's trying to communicate. So um, that was just kind of an interesting thought exercise and have enough time to research it fully enough, but it, I, I wonder how this would be different. Mm-hmm. I had the, I had the same thought and I didn't find anything like readily available online, but mm-hmm. I know that your, your researching skills are probably better than mine. So if you find an answer, please let me know. Yeah, I, I definitely will. And if he wasn't involved, I'm intrigued how he feels about what was created, you know? Um, yeah. I imagine that there's so much about this world that he's thought about and, and chosen certain aspects of it to include in a short story. So yeah, it's an interesting thought exercise. Okay. Well, let's uh, include our spoiler alert here. If you haven't seen Spiderhead, we um, recommend checking it out before continuing to listen. It's available on Netflix and we will now enter spoiler territory. So let's talk about that ending. Tell me your thoughts about the way this movie chooses to take this this arc. I hated it so much. Um, <laughs> okay. I, Pop up. And I I'm not sure like exactly like what I would have preferred. I I do like the way that the short story ends. It's very grim. Uh but it 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 was fitting and even in uh that really, really dark ending, there's a hope, there's like a sense of hope or, you know, there's this sense of peace throughout. So it felt really, really fitting for what this character has gone through. The The film, however, is like overly glossy and it's just, you know, the, the bad guy died in the same, died in a crash uh, mm-hmm. that he said that he was Convenient. testing stuff to prevent future crashes from happening. So I think that was supposed to be some like irony or whatever. Um, and then these two are, are able to get out of the facility and they sail off into the sunset. And it was just number one, too cheesy. But then for me, it was also like too narrow of an ending. Um, 
And it, it might just be like a Sarah issue because I tend to be more of like a macro thinker anyway. I was left wondering about the other inmates who are at the facility. And I was wondering about yeah. the the larger, you know, penal system that existed and other facilities such as this one that probably exist in this world. And, you know, like his company and the drugs that they were manufacturing and all. So like, I wanted to know more about like the systemic, what happened, you know, I, I didn't need all of his businesses or this whole system to be dismantled, you know, like I didn't need that, but I would have liked a, maybe a little bit greater acknowledgement that this was a bigger problem than just what was his name? Ab- Abnesty was that his name? Abnesty, um, yeah, Steve. Yeah, Steve. This is a bigger problem than just Steve, and the film seems kind of uninterested in going there. So I just I was disappointed. It was too cheesy and too glossy, and focused on all the things that I was not interested in. So, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the movie knows that you're watching this on a Tuesday night and it needs to leave you with like some kind of satisfying ending so that you don't go to bed with nightmares <laughs> and like <laughs> thinking existentially about everything in the world. <laughs> it, it's a it's a really weak ending. I, I completely agree. Um, it, it's unsatisfying in the like emotional arc that we've gone on with Jeff and Lizzie as characters, which I think the, the, the movie focuses a lot more on them and their relationship and them uh, trying to uh, instill hope in each other. Like there's, there's nothing satisfying about seeing them just tactically try and get out, which those fight scenes scenes are so weak. Like that, that wasn't even satisfying. Like, Okay, if we're gonna escape out of Spiderhead, uh, make it a really interesting process movie um, and show us how Jeff and um, Steve's sidekick, and they're all gonna try and figure out how to get out of this hellish place. But they just throw some punches, toss a key, and they're out of there. So that whole third act was yeah, not did not did not execute well. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I had some trouble believing that Miles Teller could take Chris Hemsworth in a fight. Uh, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm sure that Miles Teller is in great shape, you know, but uh, I just, I got to call BS on that one just a little bit. Yeah. He did have the advantage of the dark and fox and the daffodil on his side. He did. But, he did. Very true. But <laughs> still. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. What would you have liked to see in this ending? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and that's what I've been kind of asking myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that the the ending of the short story would have been good, but then you'd have to change, you know two-thirds of the movie to accommodate that ending. Um, I would I okay, I think I would have liked for uh, Jeff to have had paid a price of some sort. I, I think is really mm. what it is. Like I I know he has been imprisoned, he has paid his debt to society, and that's great. And I I I love that. It 
I also they dropped the bomb that he had been there like he he had been able to be released mm-hmm. like seven months previously and then just move on and I really wanted more about that personally um but I just I I wanted this escape to cost them something you know I mm-hmm. either that or I mean if you want to go like cheesy ending have Mark come with the police and then like all the other people are also set free because they probably also are there longer than they need to be. So I I think that there's a way to do the cheesy ending if we need that uh, in a way that's maybe more just because it's, it's these two characters (laughs) that we're supposed to have like developed a bond from. And then they just, they escape even though they were technically able to be free. And so again, like what are the ramifications of this for their life going forward? Because they technically escaped from prison, even though they could have, they were able to be released. So there's some issues there as well. I don't know. I just, I think there's a lot of ways that this ending could have been rewritten uh, to make it more satisfying than the one that we actually got. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I want to say, I love how the Sarah brain works. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love that you're concerned about these other inmates because yeah, yeah, they're just stuck in there. Yes, they are. And yeah. I mean, if it happened to one or two, it's happened to more than them mm-hmm. too. So I want mm-hmm. them to also be released. Yeah. Just the the ending voiceover of this movie is <laughs> Pop off, tell me your thoughts. I mean, those are pretty much my thoughts, honestly. I mean, just like take our rant from the card counter about, you know, (laughs) that ending and just insert it here because it's basically the same thing. Like, okay, we are doing this stupid escape from prison thing, riding off into the sunset. You could have just ended it with that visual. Like I didn't need this voiceover about like, I need a drug for self-forgiveness, blah, blah, blah. Like what? No, 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 no. no. Uh-huh. Just stop. Especially because like they didn't even fully set that up. It, it was interesting how they were starting to explore you know, guilt and how guilt was keeping them there and guilt was making them subject themselves to these tests and like whatever. And so, and then that moment with Lizzie just like weeping over, you know, the the revelation about her daughter, like all of that was so powerful. But then these lines about self-forgiveness at the end didn't feel connected to that because they hadn't started exploring that part of the concept yet. So it just... It felt out of left field, unnecessary, and just added to the cheesiness. <sighs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It's like a balm on a wound that is far too large to be <laughs> band-aided over. Because my whole thought was how we haven't seen Jeff and Lizzie really have that breakthrough for that to feel earned. You know, yeah. they they are showing so much grace and forgiveness for each other and an unconditional love which was a beautiful scene and i think could have could have been uh positioned differently or worked into the film differently as an emotional catharsis but the self-forgiveness part is a totally different 
beast to tackle than someone else showing you unconditional love and choosing to forgive you. Like, And so we went from progress like 50% of the way to like, oh, now they're talking about self-forgiveness. That's a whole nother journey to go on for these characters that are carrying so much guilt and trauma and now feelings of responsibility for the people that they they feel like they've res- been responsible for um with administering the dark and fox like this is this is going to be an uphill battle for these these two folks and all of the other inmates yeah yeah and i i think all of those concepts about guilt and and responsibility and and all of that are are really fascinating and just kind of like the ethics of you know drug trials and and all of that. So there's a lot of really interesting components all within that. Um, I just wish that it was divorced from this like romantic storyline personally. And that's mm. almost always going to be my personal preference. Mm-hmm. But I I'm so annoyed at films making this like romantic love the the highest form of love as a form of healing yeah yeah, yeah. i i just wonder how could we have gotten to this you know how how could we have gotten to the resolution of this film how could we have explored some of these concepts maybe outside of that vehicle of romantic love and i I, I would probably be more interested to watch that movie instead. Um, I think for me, though we spend a lot of time with Jeff and Lizzie, we don't get to see their their relationship develop over like a long stretch of like days or months. So we just have these few isolated incidents with them. And so I, I struggled to believe that they really, truly mm. loved each other. To mm. me, it was still like, no, you're still just like infatuated. So that moment, that emotional moment of like, mm. no, like I love her, blah, 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 blah. I was like, I don't know. Because <laughs> you're like, I call BS. Like I was, I really was calling BS on mm. that. Um, and so again, like that takes kind of the wind out of the sails of that like really intense emotional moment. So again, like I just wonder if how could this have been structured differently or how could we have seen their relationship grow and and their bond deepen over like months or years or however long um, in order for us to really feel the weight of that emotional gut punch. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It it's it was fast. It's the it's the cheesy, you know, classic romantic storyline we always get Mm -hmm. and actually very similar to our qualms with the car counter the same idea of this romantic relationship healing someone who has been broken by trauma you know and somehow that I think there's some there's a half truth in that like there's there's something that uh moves our soul when when someone else external to us shows us that kind of love that we feel like we don't deserve. Like there's some ounce of truth to that, but it it uh really pushes it to the extremes of it being the thing that will heal these these broken people, whether it's Oscar Isaac's character in the card counter or Jeff and Spiderhead, you know, it's the same same theme, same concept. And 
Another thing that I thought was an interesting departure from the story is in the story, uh, Jeff would use his Fridays to Skype with his mom. And like, there's even like a paragraph about like how uh, his mom, like he can tell the, the change in his mom and how his mom has aged simply because of his trial and his incarceration. Like, and, and I thought that that was a much more powerful thing for me than him calling the his girlfriend's voicemail who he accidentally involuntarily manslaughtered um and so I just I thought that that was an interesting change that I think actually detracted from the character rather than enhanced the character for me and I think it also explores more fully the the weight and the guilt um, that Jeff is carrying to to see the effects on his mother who mm-hmm. loves him so deeply and to, to see like the pain that he is causing her because of his incarceration just adds to the additional feelings of guilt and responsibility that he's already carrying. Yeah, I think there's there's a unique dynamic that the short story chooses to explore in that Um it's almost like the physical representation of the pain that you've caused, not just yourself now, but the other people in your life that love you and that you love. Um, there's something a little bit more weighty to that than this voicemail of someone who doesn't – we learn later in the film doesn't actually exist anymore. She's not even alive anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. think the film thinks that that was supposed to be more communicative mm-hmm. of his guilt, the fact that he's still calling – her voicemail because he feels the responsibility of that. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it just didn't work for me. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I'm I'm sure it worked for some people and that's, that's great. I love that for them. Mm -hmm. What I did love about what the film chooses to do, which I think is in the short story in the film, I think, uh, explores it more and kind of teases it out more, which I think it did a, a pretty good job of is how uh, Steve Abnesty wields the guilt and shame that the inmates feel yes. as a system of control. That was fascinating to me. Just the way that he would manipulate and gaslight and guilt trip the inmates. Um, we see it a lot with his dynamics with Jeff, but we see it in a lot of the smaller interactions that he has with um, with Lizzie and with Heather, that was fascinating to see. This, this charismatic, smiley friendliness that is just um, this, this weird mask for this incredible amount of manipulation and control that he, he has and that he continues to hold over the people that are in this facility. I, I found that incredibly fascinating in this movie. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I, I think Chris Hemsworth did a great job uh, mm-hmm. as Steve and and portraying that. And he he did a really good job, you know, like on the on the exterior appearing like this like good guy, uh, but he's actually a villain and he's the worst. And so to be able with a smile to manipulate and gaslight people the way that he does in the film was, was really phenomenal and was uh, 
it was really effective in making me like absolutely despise him very quickly <laughs> in the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I thought a lot of those elements were really, really brilliant in his, his ability to see um, like what will, what will affect this particular inmate the most. And then he presses exactly on that button over and over and over again. Uh, it was, it was great. Yeah, the man's EQ is through the roof. Yeah, <laughs> and he uses it to destroy yeah. everybody around him. Like, wow, he's a monster. Yeah, and it, and I think the movie does a good job of also slowly letting that drip faster and faster, and it's uh, and it's um, full power. Like we we see. S- small moments of it earlier in the movie but as the movie progresses we see more of that manipulation happen from him in these these uh greater moments of tension like i'm thinking a lot about that particular scene when he's trying to convince jeff to administer the darkened flocks and he starts using like moments of kindness that that Steve has shown Jeff in the past. And then he brings up the, um, the acts that Jeff did in his past, the, the crimes that he's committed and, and why he's ended up here. Like he's, he's particularly using all of these tactics that he knows are triggers for Jeff to guilt trip him into obedience. And I thought that was just a fascinating way to, communicate this idea of using shame and guilt as a system of control. And it's one that oppressors have been using for so much of history, you know, is is the idea that you deserve what you're getting and that you deserve to be in this lower place and that you have no rights. And when when that's in place, the, your ability to kind of continue to oppress is so much easier than someone who believes that there's better for themselves. So I th- that's just fascinating. And I, I think in that scene, uh, he also says, all you want is redemption. This is how you're going to find it. And I thought that that was just like masterful manipulation because he he knew Jeff's uh, guilt and his shame and that the number one thing that Jeff, Jeff wanted was redemption. And so twisting that and using that against what Jeff would normally do, uh, man. Is so evil, but it was it showed a lot about who Steve is as a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I thought it was also really fascinating, which I appreciate that the, the film wrote the scene in a specific way. Um, which is when when Steve is looking to convince Jeff to give the darkened flocks to Lizzie specifically. And he chooses to reveal what Lizzie has done in the past as if that would be justification for giving the darkened flocks. Like because she's done these terrible things in the past that she now somehow deserves this. He's trying he's trying to arise the sense of justice or anger in Jeff um, to motivate him to give the darkened flocks. And I thought just that that – social dynamic is really, really interesting. It ends up having the opposite effect. But um, the fact that he would choose to manipulate him in this specific way, I think was was really interesting in that scene. 
And I appreciated that, like, again, it's a a deepening of Steve's character because earlier Mm -hmm. when uh, Steve wanted Jeff to darken flocks, Heather, what a weird sentence. Uh, He, he basically alluded to the fact that Heather had done like a bunch of messed up stuff. And if Jeff knew her history, then Jeff would give this to her in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. But of course, Steve can't disclose this information, but you know, just suffice it to say, she's not a good person. But then by the end, Steve, you know, the mask has come off and he can truly be his evil self. uh, And you know, share that information. So I, I also thought that that was really well done uh, as far as this like unraveling of this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's built up, it's set up really well and built up really well because we see a previous scene where Steve insinuates to Lizzie that he knows what she's done and she she wants to keep that a secret. She does not want that to be known because she's afraid it'll affect her relationships with other people. So again, that system of power and control um, is being used in these small ways, but it's also serving as a setup for this later scene. So I thought that was great. There's already curiosity that we have as a viewer. What what has Lizzie done? You know, we mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. And, and I was really interested in learning about what she had done. Um, I, I was less interested in learning about what Jeff had done and the, <laughs> <laughs> the constant like flashing back to that scene and then like we'd see more and then we'd see more and we'd see more. I, man, I just, I didn't care all that much, <laughs> but I cared about, <laughs> but I cared about Lizzie and I wanted to know like, man, what did, what did you do? But I didn't, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't respond very well to Jeff like at all in this movie now that we're talking about it. <laughs> That's fair. I do think that uh, the flashbacks are used a little bit too much. I think it it kind of takes away from what's most important, which is that he feels the guilt of it. And I, I almost feel like not showing us would have made it more powerful mm-hmm. um, because I think there's, there's a little bit more uh, maybe sympathy that we have for him and, and for Lizzie um, in both of their crimes because it was like a um, – a mistake. It was not intentional. They didn't set out to kill someone. So there's a lot of sympathy that we have, but I think it that takes away from the weight that they feel of the guilt of what they've done, you know? And I think leaving it unseen may have helped communicate that a little bit more because we don't see flashbacks for Lizzie. And that scene is so powerful when we hear her talk about and share what she's done. Um, and I think something similar could have been used for Jeff too. It's not really important for us to see it all unfold. Yeah. And I mean, Journey Smollett is an incredible actress and we get to mm-hmm. see that, especially in that scene when she's in that room, just wailing um, over what she did. And and I think you're right. I think, you know, we, we know that Miles Teller is a good actor too. So there probably could have been an opportunity for him to have a a similar scene um, so that we see not how he remembers the events, but how they're affecting him now. Yeah, that probably would have been more helpful uh, in us empathizing with these characters, understanding what they're grappling with, and then them being able to forgive each other and start to move on would be even more 
powerful there in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Other things that we want to talk about with Spiderhead? There was a another really interesting line that Steve said. Uh, I think it's more towards the beginning of, of the film. And he's talking to Mark and he says, we're all here by choice, Mark. And that was one of those moments when I was like, well, you know, if you got to say it, it's probably not true. And I, I like <laughs> how, how this film was really strategic in slipping those little lines in for Steve so that you can, you can feel that there's something else going on here. And, you know, not everything is as glossy or fun or peppy as meets the eye, but that there's actually something sinister going on here. And so I, I appreciated that element of the, the script, though I have, I have plenty of issues with it overall. Mm. Yeah, those little moments were great, especially in the first act of this film when we're, we're trying to figure out what is going on. And there's so many questions that all of those little details really create the sense of something is very wrong here but we're still figuring out what it is. And this character that seems to be incredibly charismatic and friendly and pals with everyone, there is something really off about him. And I think those little lines really help contribute to that feeling as well as a score. Uh, but those, those, those things, those pieces together really work together well. Another line that I thought was super interesting was after – Heather was dark and fluxed and killed herself um, after, you know, a few moments when they've started to calm down. Steve asks, can I get you something for how you're feeling? And that was just such an interesting question for me. And, you know, made me really think about how we, how we try to like gloss over grief. Because, you know, Jeff is, is dealing with like guilt and shame and all of that. And Steve's first inclination is, oh my gosh, how can I make that go away? I'm going to give you this stuff that's just going to make you laugh. And I don't know, to me, that was so reminiscent of how we also deal with things. You know, we don't like to feel those negative emotions and we sure don't like to process through them. Uh, and so it's just a lot easier to try and gloss over or move on or, you know, cover them up or medicate however we can. So that was one of those lines that I was like, number one, Steve, you're real, real evil. But number two, like, oh man, we're probably a little bit more like you than I like to think we are. Mm-hmm. And especially in that next scene, they're both talking about these deep wounds that they've experienced yeah. and laughing about it. And it was it was kind of this eerie moment, but also, like you mentioned, how much do we do that as well? Just absolute numbing to the pain that we experience in our life. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel those things. So yeah. I, I get it. But uh, yeah. it's also not the most healthy thing to do. There's an interesting bit of like backstory that we learn about Steve that um, I think the movie is a little heavy handed with it somehow explaining this whole thing around him being abandoned. And that's why he's creating all of these um, drugs and whatnot. And 
I, I, I almost would have wanted Steve to have been a little bit more similar to Thanos where he genuinely believes that these things are going to make the world a better place with N40 and um, Laffodil and all that kind of stuff. And that his motive is not truly obedience and trying to get the world to bow down on his feet. I think that would have been – I would have made him a more interesting character to me for him to have this pure intention with an incredibly twisted method where he genuinely thinks that these drugs that he's creating are going to make things better for people. Um, so that that little uh, plot twist – it's not even a huge twist, but the little um, – detail that we learn about him where he's ultimately really just trying to create this drug um b40 or b6 or something like that that is really for obedience and that's his ultimate goal i think uh takes away from some of the really interesting uh moral things for us to sink our teeth into that could have made steve i think a more interesting villain and that whole idea of like all of these inmates have been pumped with this obedience drug also makes the the story as a whole less interesting because it, it's more interesting to think about these these people like society has told them that they are nothing because mm-hmm. they made these mistakes and they're racked with shame and guilt. So of course they're going to subject themselves to this awful stuff. Like I think that that's a more interesting thing to think through. And so like you're you're kind of starting to ponder some of these themes and then it's like, "Oh, nope, just kidding. Uh it's all a drug and yeah. you don't need to think about that hard stuff anymore." And that's just it was so unfortunate that that is the path that they chose. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Especially because we've gotten that scene earlier where Jeff and Lizzie are asking themselves, like, why do we say acknowledge every time we just we do it because that's what we believe we deserve, which is that was a, a really powerful scene. I, I loved the inclusion of that. I think it, again, is like these little glimmers of what this film could have been. Uh, but you're right. They kind of explained it away with this obedience drug that somehow they were getting the whole time. And what I thought was so interesting about the short story is that Steve, who is called Ray in the short story, but that's neither here nor there, he like starts to go get a court order to make Jeff darken flocks, whatever the girl's name was. I think it was Rachel. Rachel. Um, and and I thought that was really interesting that that he was still compelling Jeff to do what he wanted just through a different way. And so I would have preferred something like that as the threat that could be, you know, held over their head rather than just, we're just injecting them with a thing. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. One thing that I found really compelling about the short story that I think the film doesn't do a great job of translating to the screen, but I guess, you know, my, my thought process around this is it's, these are hard to do anyway with, with book to 
film or short story, the written form to film adaptations is you lose a lot of those inner thoughts of characters. But I was so captivated by so many sections of the short story where we get to see the inner thoughts and um, and like ponderings of our main character, Jeff. Um, and that's just something that I feel like just didn't get translated over. Um, so this one, this one excerpt from the short story around Jeff just coming down from a hit of N40, and he's thinking about the fact that he felt these strong emotions, but that they ultimately weren't real, and that there was a sadness and an emptiness that he experienced because of that was was so interesting and prompted so many so many thought processes in me. And I I think the movie. I can see that there's moments where they try to do that, whether it's through voiceover or through conversations between Jeff and Lizzie, where he's able to share a little bit of that. Um, but it doesn't have the same weight and fullness that I feel like the short story had. So that was just interesting to ruminate on. How could they have translated that over into the film? Likely in a different way, but still have that same um, – uh, level of detail and nuance that the short story was able to communicate. Okay, so here's what we do. We take white sheets and we drape them all over his little room. And <laughs> then he sits broodingly at the white sheet covered table and journals and just waxes eloquently. And we can get all those thoughts in there. Just straight from the short story, just take it, cut it out, <laughs> put it into the screenplay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he's just writing it down. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> take a page from the card counter. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> the key is that he's covering his room in sheets. That, that is that, That's yes. necessary. Yes. That's part of the like coming down off of the drug piece of it <laughs> is you got to cover everything in white sheets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The white sheets represent his inner emptiness. Ooh, yes. yeah. There you go. There we go. Perfect. We got it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they could have done it differently, but I think in the hands of perhaps a more more talented filmmaker that could somehow still communicate those nuances through the character's actions or, or um, smaller moments that could have really carried that a little bit more. But alas, we don't get that. Yeah, I I think there's a lot with this screenplay that could have been redone. And it kind of goes back to something that we started to touch on earlier is like, this film doesn't quite know what it is. And so instead of going like, full on, you know, about this protagonist and his, his deep inner workings and all of that, and then like, we figure out all that stuff along the way, and then he finds healing and tra la 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 la, it's great. Or, you know, this action-y thing in this world and we see this whole system and it becomes increasingly dark till the end. And it's trying to like straddle all of these things and it doesn't do any of it particularly well. You know, the world building is good, but that was all from the short story, largely. And then the rest of it is just kind of okay with like a few moments of brilliance so I just I wish that this 
the screenplay had been better because the cast was good. You know, we we know this director is is capable of doing good things. Hello, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. So I just this movie should have been better if the story didn't suck. Yeah, it really all comes down to the screenplay. I think it does. Yeah, man. Oh, there's so much potential though. It could have been so fascinating. Yeah. Right. And I think that's why I was so frustrated by the end of this because I could see the the good pieces of it and the the really incredible raw materials uh, that were somehow combined into this really forgettable movie. <laughs> it's just it's sad. It's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. There, I think there's a version of this movie that also would just have been a roaring good time, like a, a literal yes. heist movie of like escaping yes. out of, it's like a real life escape room, you know, like how are they going to yes. get out from this really interesting, like designed bunker, like below ground that's apparently shaped like a spider. That could have been fun too, you know? It would have been Lean great. To the, to the like action-y, fun, thrill part of this. And, have a good you time. know, Chris Hemsworth playing a really, really fun, fit villain. Like, yeah. Yeah, that would have been Love formidable as a as a big boss. <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be great. Uh-huh. But no, uh-huh. no, we we don't get that. I thought we were gonna get that movie with um, uh, what's his face, Verlaine, I think is his name, Steve's sidekick. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Jeff's gonna team up with him, and he knows right? the inner workings of how this whole system works, yes. and they're gonna have to break their essentially jailbreak you know like that's fun and and then I realized that we only had about 15 minutes left of this movie and I was like there's no way we're gonna have enough time for that so I don't think that's what's gonna happen but I really would love to see that yeah that would be that would be really fun okay so maybe they're gearing up for like spider head two and then we'll have like a different villain but this will be more of that like actiony heist movie because maybe mm-hmm. they're not like testing they wouldn't be able to test like those exact same drugs so they're testing different drugs and they somehow under the influence of all the things need to escape uh yeah and it'll be a prison break from spiderhead Mm -hmm. bam spiderhead we're here to see what interesting new drugs they come up with that was fascinating that was fun for me yeah yeah i loved seeing that what else have you chosen to come up with yeah and why you know there, there was a lot of gold stars on that bingo card. So <laughs> you know he's got quite a few up his sleeve. So Spiderhead right. 2 is going to have some bonky drugs in there. Like this is going to be nutso <laughs> as they try to escape. This is like the dark version of Inside Out. Like let's, let's now <laughs> animate Laffodil and Dark and Fox. Oh Can't you God. see them as animated characters? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying. I mean, with with such exciting names, True. I just feel like it warrants these animated characters being created. Laughdill, come on, it did, it did make me think of all like the crazy names in in Harry Potter, and you know oh. of of all of the different potions and the mm, spells mm-hmm. and things. I was like, oh yeah, Darkenflux could totally have been in in Harry Potter somewhere. Absolutely, yes, <laughs> it's a good name. It is a good name. Yep. 
Okay. Any other last thoughts about Spiderhead? Okay. I have two. Okay. Uh, Number one, did you catch the pinky ring in this movie? Oh my gosh, no. Was there a pinky ring? There's a pinky ring. Was it on? It better have been on Steve. It was not on Steve. Was it on the Rogan dude? It was on the tats. Nope, not on him. It was oh. on the first uh, inmate that we see, that that black guy. I don't remember his name. Oh, um, he was wearing a pinky ring who he murdered like three people, I think it said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was the pinky ring wearer in this movie, which I just thought was an odd choice. He didn't seem like a pinky ring guy to me, but he was rocking it. Mm. He, he had like studs in his ears too, right? So it's just a jewelry jewelry fanatic in general also like i mean i guess this is a more relaxed prison but you know i don't i don't know about like all that jewelry in a prison (laughs) might not be the greatest idea right but you know what if they're hopped up on the obedience drug then it's it's fine (laughs) that's right obdx gosh that's actually a really good name though I was kind of <laughs> impressed with that. Yeah. Okay. okay and then so my my second thing is mm-hmm. I would just like to give a shout out to Journey Smollett because her arms are incredible. <laughs> like that is motivation to go to the freaking gym, gym and mm-hmm. do some arm workouts. I wouldn't even know what to do, but holy crap. <laughs> She's, I mean, she's very beautiful. She's fit, all of that. But man, her arms were impressive. Way to go. Yes, indeed. So we want uh, her arms. I would like Chris Hemsworth's eyelashes. (laughs) They are beautiful and luscious. Oh my gosh. And the camera knows it because it's given him many close-up shots. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. It was very obsessed with Chris Hemsworth face, just like filling up the entire screen. Yes. There's so many close-ups of his face. There are a lot. I mean, when you got a face like that, you just gotta you gotta capitalize it. Make the money. They know they're a target audience. Tuesday they, night. Let Netflix did. Netflix people. They did. They were like, okay, this is gonna make us money. This is gonna get us eyes on this movie. So right. just Come on, buddy. We're gonna People love Chris Hemsworth. We're gonna just shoot only your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With the very cool, trendy glasses. Yeah, he he. Yeah, he looked like a great uh, millennial CEO gone terribly awry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like all of those like tech startups that like boomed uh-huh. and then ended up causing all kinds of chaos in our lives. Yeah, he absolutely falls in that category. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. great. Yep. He threw a dig at millennials. He did. He did. And it's uh, <laughs> like, you know what? We probably deserve it. So it's fine. <laughs> but again, this movie is – it's got too much laugh deal. It does. It does. Maybe in the first third, fine. You know, be on your laugh deal kick. But <laughs> at a certain point, we need it. We need it. We need it choose a direction and go in it yeah yeah this this non-committal trying to do everything just doesn't work Mm -hmm. yep all right well 
This was our review and discussion of Spiderhead. You can find it available to stream on Netflix. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about Spiderhead. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film Jurassic World Dominion. We hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you next week. Thank you.